0: Antoine Car. Russell will inbound at half court. Uh-oh. Stockton open three. Hit it! John Stockton sends the Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to According to Jason. Thanks for listening. So, today is going to be a rapid-fire episode. Um, I collected some questions from some listeners, some fans, some friends, and I'm just going to go right through them. Uh, Some are uh, just personal uh, opinions on basketball. Some are, uh, you know, factual. Uh, Alright, so let's get right into it. Um, First question from one of my Instagram followers, uh, what is your all-time starting five? And then another question was, who is your best player of all time in each position? So we're just going to lump that all together. So um, best player of all time by position and all time starting five will be the exact same thing. So just imagine these guys in this in one starting five. Um, So my in my opinion, the greatest point guard of all time is Magic Johnson and the for shooting guard is Michael Jordan let's be honest here, Um, so that's my backcourt, Magic Johnson has just been, if you were to look up the definition of winning, you'd see Magic Johnson, you know, the front page of that, of that definition, Um, five championships, uh, multiple MVPs, you know, those epic battles with Larry Bird, he is the best point guard of all time, he could pass, he had a good inside game. Um, not a strong shooter, but he had good defense. He could facilitate. He had amazing court vision. Have you seen his no look passes? You probably have. Um, at shooting guard is obviously Michael Jeffrey Jordan. You don't need to question this. It's not debatable. Michael Jordan is the greatest shooting guard of all time. Debatable whether he's the best player of all time. So Magic Johnson's my point guard and MJ is my shooting guard. At the small forward, I'm putting LeBron James. LeBron can play pretty much anything. But, um, you know, I just... I feel like there's so many great power forwards that, um, you know, it would be kind of a crime to leave them off or try to put them at a smaller position. So LeBron James, uh, you know, just an absolutely out-of-this-world talent, uh, athletic, does almost everything, you know. And uh, he's got... Three rings, nine trips to the finals, MVPs. He's just out of this world, best player in this decade, this this generation. Um, uh, no question in my mind, and um, also debatable whether he's the greatest of all time at power forward. I put Kevin Garnett. I put Kevin Garnett because, well, so first of all, uh, let me let me explain. So lots of people uh say that Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time and I don't see it. He has the 2 MVPs and the 5 championship rings and he was winning championships while Kevin Garnett was the only good player on the Wolves for a while. And um and what I'm about to say this is definitely not helping in this GOAT de- debate because um we're not in you know we aren't in a timeline where Kevin Garnett was on the Spurs, but I feel like Kevin Garnett would be the greatest of all time if they switched. If Tim Duncan switched with Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett would do just as well as Tim Duncan. I think he has the stats to back it up. He won a ring in 08 and a defensive player of the year. He has an MVP. He led the Wolves to their only relevant seasons um, apart from two years ago with Jimmy Butler. He led them to their only relevant seasons. He took, uh, along with Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, I'm not going to um, leave them out of this conversation, but, um, with the help of them, they took a 20-win Celtics team that won only 27 games in 2007, and won the championship, went to the playoffs five, six, five, six, uh, straight years, and made it to two, two finals appearances, uh, did they underachieve as a team? Yes, but Kevin Garnett did lead them to a championship, um, that just Paul Pierce on his own couldn't do, um... You know, and it goes back to our conversation that I had with, uh, Jacob, uh, Paul Pierce is super overrated and, um, wasn't able to do very much without, uh, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. Um, so Kevin Garnett is my all-time power forward. You can say Tim Duncan, you can say, uh, Charles Barkley, you can say, uh, Karl Malone, but KG is my power forward at center. Um, center's probably the, the most loaded of all these positions. When you think of greatest centers of all time, it goes, you, you know, you can go from any era, uh, you start in the fifties, you say George Mike and you go to the sixties, it's Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. You go to the seventies, it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it's Moses Malone. It's, uh, you know, uh, in the eighties, it's, it's Ewing, it's Hakeem, it's David Robinson in the nineties. It's, you know, it's just, I, I could go on, but in my opinion, Um, The greatest center of all time is Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon has two rings, MVP, defensive player of the year, and he was the MVP, defensive player of the year, um, top five in scoring, led his team to the finals in one year, and I feel like that could be in the conversation as one of the best uh, individual seasons of all time. You know, and he's up there with Wilt's 50 point per game season or Michael Jordan's 30 points per game season um, in his second last year. You know, those are. Hakeem is up there. Hakeem, dominant post player, good defender in the near the rim, um, which is perfect for the area he played. And he was a perfect era center in the 80s and the 90s. Um, fantastic post moves, put you in a blender. He's just uh, far and away my opinion in my opinion the best center of all time so my- magic johnson michael jordan lebron james kevin garnett and hakeem olajuwon are my starting all-time starting five and my best players at each position um so i had a spotify listener ask me about Lamelo ball and um and then another one um one of my instagram followers was asking about the 22 22- 2020 2020- NBA draft. I'm just going to lump them all together. Uh, LaMelo Ball, uh, he's just, he is just so, Just he's just the worst. Um, the Warriors made an absolutely smart decision by deciding that they're not going to go after LaMelo Ball. I mean, the attempting to deal with the headache that is LaVar Ball and, uh, you know, the Ball brothers would just be, you know, absolute hell for the Warriors. They do not need that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of problems in their locker room. They've got t- great team chemistry. Um, Lamello has got a super suspect uh, jump shot. All, all, all of the Ball brothers have had a suspect jump shot. And um, Lamello, you can show me all the high school players highlights you want, you can show me his NBL highlights, I don't think I've seen any of them, but you could try to show me, and, um, you know, you could try to show me how great he is, but he's got a suspect jump shot, and all of the Ball Brothers, you know, they've, uh, they've shown, they've tried to convince people that they've fixed their jumper, but they've just not. Lonzo maybe tweaked it a little bit, and he averaged a point more, um, um, the following season after he quote-unquote fixed his jump shot and uh, I just don't think that another NBA team um, who's going through rebuilding mode uh, with younger guys needs to go through that kind of problem with uh, Lemela Le Ball. Um, I pulled up his uh, stats and he shot 37% from the field and the average is around 45% in the NBA and he shot 25% from three which is 10% under the league average right now i just his shot selection is a little bit suspect his jump shot his his shooting form is uh it's it's problematic and and uh another thing is a team with young guys is trying to build this team chemistry trying to build this culture and you know the teams that are at the top of the lottery do not need a problem like LaMelo Ball. Um, You know, I feel like he should be a back-of-the-draft kind of guy where, um, uh, or I guess a back-of-the-first-round guy where a team that's had playoff experience can mold him into something. Because if he's on a young team where all of a sudden he just becomes the man, then he can put up empty stats and be, uh, you know, kind of a team cancer while the rest of uh, the team struggles. And, uh, I think he needs a lot of veteran presence. And I don't think a team in the fir- at the very top of the draft can give him that. Um, the other question about the 2020 draft, um, my thoughts on it is it's, I'm not going to go too much into it, but I think that people give the 2020 draft a little bit of a bad rap because it came after the draft that featured, uh, you know, John Morant, RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, um... Cody White, a whole bunch of guys that were really hyped up out of college, and, um, you know, people are saying that this is a weak class, but, um, you know, my, my dad was telling me today, it's, uh, it doesn't matter how weak the class is until they're actually in the NBA, it doesn't matter how strong the class looks until the draft, draftees are in the NBA, um, so that, those are my thoughts on the 2020 draft, uh, I don't think it's that weak, um. Uh, another user um, who just started listening on Apple Podcasts, awesome, thanks for listening, he asked, in my opinion, what was the one thing, or a couple of things, that I thought was missing from The Last Dance? Um, number one was a Brian Russell interview. Brian Russell's the guy that uh, who guarded Michael and uh, fell over when Michael shot his final basket as a chicago bull um and it's weird because brian russell um is not shy about talking about michael jordan he people will ask him about the shot i mean they were uh they had an interview on utah jazz's youtube page with brian russell and he's not shy about it he loves Tux Mac. he'll talk about it but um i feel like it was just uh I mean, this isn't the Utah Jazz's YouTube page. This is a Netflix and ESPN documentary. So I feel like he just didn't want to share his thoughts on being on the reverse end of the most famous shot in NBA history. Um, Another thing that was missing was Mitch Richmond. Um, Mitch Richmond. Michael Jordan called Mitch the hardest player he ever had to defend, Mitch the Rock Richmond who could shoot threes, shoot the mid-range, take you to the take you to the post and um hardest player to defend in the post and Michael Jordan called him the hardest player he had to ever defend. Um, you know, the Kings weren't a winning franchise um during any of the seasons that Mitch was there, but he would put up consistently 20-30 points per night and um I feel like that was something that was omitted, but the problem is that um, it was omitted because talking about a good player on a bad team is not as sexy about talking Sco- talking about Scottie Pippen's contract disputes or talking about Kobe in the All-Star game. It's not as cool as talking about those guys. He's not a very famous player. You know, let's be honest. Mitch Richmond isn't a famous player. It's not a very famous name, um, but he is a Hall of Famer, so actually that is pretty famous. Next up, I had a Spotify listener ask me about the four-point line. The four-point line. Um, my thoughts on the four-point line, and I think it will ruin basketball. Um, I've talked with friends, and you know, I've jokingly said about things ruining basketball. I think Mike D'Antoni is uh, Mike D'Antoni is making a mockery of the game by putting a six-foot-five player in at center. Um, you know, I've joked about how James Harden is a flopper and a traveler and a terrible defender, um, and how it's ruining the game, and, but the four-point line will legitimately ruin the game. Imagine this. You're watching a basketball game, and they're only shooting threes and fours. Um, imagine a world where instead of, the Houston Rockets' Mori ball, where it's only threes and only layups, it's only threes and fours, because thanks to the four-point line, the two, the dunk, the layup, is now obsolete. You have rim runners standing behind the three- or four-point line shooting, because analytics say that the two-point layup, the two-point dunk, one of the best shots the greatest shot in basketball history is now obsolete it's now inefficient i think the four-point line would ruin the game um do i have a solution well kind of i say that we extend the three-point line and i've said this to a couple of guys a couple of people and i think it's because you know there just needs to be more variety i think if you extend the three-point line you reward players like Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry who can shoot from that distance, from half-court distance. But you also reward players for um, more creativity. And all of a sudden, shooting a three-pointer from, say, 27, 28 feet out is a little bit more of a gamble than shooting it from 24 feet out, you know? And, you know, it starts to revert back to a style of play where you can shoot almost anything, and the style, you know, the substance might not remain, but the style will go back and make the NBA a lot more interesting, because if you were to look up a highlight reel of this year, uh, you know, top 100 plays, I'd say about 70 of them are three-pointers, 70 of them are step-back three-pointers, and then the rest of them are, well, probably dunks, because we're living in this Daryl Morey era, where, you know, Everybody wants to shoot the three ball, you know? Everybody wants to go for a layup, a dunk, a three-pointer. Everybody wants to be like James Harden flopping and then going to the free throw line. You know, not making a single shot, but still scoring 40 points per game or shooting all the threes you want. And I don't like that. I like style. I like a fun brand of basketball. And I feel like extending the three-point line would encourage Players like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard who are exciting three-point shooters who are very clutch. And it will also reward those, you know, by, who can't shoot from that distance to be able to just go back and be able to play their own style of game like a mid-range game or a baseline game. Anything. Any kind of game. Post-up game. Doesn't matter. I think it will re- reward everybody. And adding a four-point line would ruin the game. Imagine a world where a dunk is inefficient. I'll leave it with that. Um, who is my favorite player of all time? Um, all time, I don't have a favorite player, but I currently I have Donovan Mitchell as my favorite player. I own his jersey. He is the best player on my favorite team, the Utah Jazz. That's all I got to say. He's just so much fun to watch, and that's it. Um, my Tyson, who's been on the podcast twice, has two questions. Um, One is who, in my opinion, is the most meh team in the NBA. A team that I don't love, I don't hate, I could care less. And a team as well that I wouldn't usually watch. Now, a team that I love, I love watching the Jazz. A team that I hate because of their announcers is the Toronto Raptors, you know. But in the middle, a team that I wouldn't watch their team, um, even though some of their players are good, is the Orlando Magic. I understand Nikola Vucevic was an all-star last year. I understand that they have guys like Terrence Ross, and they have, uh, what's that guy? Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Mo Bamba. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, Who who gained 28 pounds of muscle over the offseason, so that's pretty ridiculous. Um, That's not a team I'd really see myself watching that much. Um, And then I have a question, again, from Tyson about the Utah Jazz what are my thoughts on the Utah Jazz? And um, do you think the Jazz will win a championship in this decade? And do you think the Jazz will make it past the second round in this decade? They will make it past the second round this decade. There's no doubt in my mind. With the team chemistry, minus Donovan Mitchell having that beef with Rudy Gobert, the team chemistry is excellent, and I don't want to go on too, too long for... Um, I don't want to go on for hours and hours about how amazing my favorite team is, but they will definitely make it past the second round. They have great team chemistry. They've got a great style of play, which emphasizes defense and a team style of offense. I really love watching them. I love uh, how clutch Bogdanovich has been, and I love Donovan Mitchell. I love Rudy Gobert, my two-time defensive player of the year. Um, Will the Jazz win a chip this decade. Will they win a championship this decade? Thanks for listening. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I'm not going to go into it. I'll leave you with that. Uh, Yes, they will win a championship by at least the end of the decade, if they can keep this core together, or build uh, a good bench, or a strong young team in the future. I think that they could win a championship by the end of the second. That's a big maybe for me. Um, But before we go, shout out to Carmelo Anthony. Happy birthday. And uh, on this day, uh, in 1997, John Stockton sent the Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals um, to face the Chicago Bulls, where they lost in six games. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about when podcasts come out or... If you want to, you know, check out on some memes, check out on some news, go to my Instagram account, according.jpodcasts. And uh, if you want to listen, you can search it up anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more, or wherever you're listening to this from. Thanks for listening, guys.